Hello and welcome to Z Formula E podcast. My name is Humura Ruth and I host the show. Thank you so much for joining me. It's all about Formula E and I hope you have a great time with me. Now, I'm very late on some of these episodes, but that's because I had a lot going on in my life and I apologize for that. But nevertheless, it's never too late to enjoy old races in Formula E. And these are not so old races. It's the fourth race of the season seven Formula E World Championship. Now I'm talking about round four of the Rome Epri that happened a few days back. I missed out podcasting on that one, but I watched it, loved it, enjoyed it. And guess what? We're going to talk about that because there's a lot that happened that I think you should listen to and enjoy with me. Anyway, thank you so much for joining the show. Let's get started. Before we go any further into the show, thank you so much for listening to Z Formula E podcast. Now, you probably love motorsport, which means you probably love Formula 1 as well. And if that's the case, why not listen to my brand new Formula 1 podcast called ZF1 Amateur? That's right. Just Google ZF1 Amateur podcast or go to your favorite podcasting platform and in the search bar, type in ZF1 Amateur podcast and you'll be sure to have Formula 1 right by your side. In addition to that, you know I'm Ugandan and I love everything about Uganda. I love sharing about the beauty of Uganda, which is why I have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. The name of the podcast is Z Humura Show. Just Google Z Humura Show or type into your podcasting platforms search bar Z Humura Show and you'll be sure to enjoy it. Okay, back to Formula E. <laughs> Ooh, it was the fourth race of the season. Love my Formula E. And we had a double header in Rome. I podcasted about the previous race, which was round three that still happened in Rome. Just, by the way, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. It helps a lot. So just go, the previous episode, the episode before this one is the third race of Formula E that happened in Rome. So I love Rome. And this time round, um, round four. Just like a previous race, uh, we started with a safety car and um, the safety car was much faster this time because the truck was dry. But remember in qualifying, the truck was wet and then today on race day, the truck was dry. So it was better to start that way. And uh, I have to remind you that the Rome circuit is in fact the second longest circuit in Formula E. It has a lot of turns, 19 turns. And we're going to talk about that more as um, we look at the race itself because I feel like I don't know. It's tight. There's some places that are really, really tight. And then there's some places that are wide. But then, like, the angles at which you have to turn are very small, should I say. So, which doesn't really give the driver an advantage. In fact, in fact, it makes it very competitive, which is, I think, one of the things that I love about Formula E. And you know what? Even the people that, you know, how a grid is lined up. We're going to talk about the qualifying. But you know how a grid is lined up in Formula E? You have the person in pole position and the second pass and then third the fourth the fifth usually you just have like a straight long um two rows of not two columns and just rows and rows and rows of cars and you could see them this time round, the people starting at the front of the grid i'm talking about the top 10 i think drivers of, on the grid were starting you know on a long straight 
And then the rest of the teams, actually the rest of the cars that are, were closer to the bottom of the grid, I'm talking about P20, P21, P22, P23, P24, those people were starting the race from behind a turn. That's how interesting that track is. I don't know if I explained it pretty well. But yeah, so the people at the front of the grid were on a straight and then those who were starting from the back were starting from behind a turn. That's how interesting this circuit is. I love it. It's competitive, it's daring, it's fun, and it's my Formula E. And also remember, because it's a street circuit, there are definitely different parts of the circuit that have different surfaces from each other. In Rome, still in Rome, round three, Stoffel van Dorn was in a good place, but obviously he hit a manhole cover and ended up crushing, and that ruined the race for Lucas de Grassi, ruined the race for his team at Nick DeFries. So all those things come into play as well. And remember, yesterday the track, was, the previous day the track was wet, today the track is dry, and then it's a street circuit, different places have different surfaces, because you know how you know street roads are made? You, it could be like one company working on the road, but obviously the different parts of the road are made at different points in time, so there's that to factor in, and this kind are very very sensitive i mean the manhole cover that stop of van hit i mean if you look at it if you looked at it you'd think okay this is just a simple thing but the when a formula e car touches such i don't know such a different surface everything changes and so makes racing quite interestingly now attack mode this race was we had three attack modes and it was around turn 15 which i think is one of my favorite turns i described it in the previous podcast as a turn that was shaped like a teardrop well i had one of the commentators call it that so it's it's imagine around a roundabout that is shaped like a teardrop but you can come in you can come driving in on the left and then you go around it to the right and then you continue racing on a long street that's how i describe it and um that's where the attack mode is going to be activated now he is qualifying for you for the very first time in his career after four races in formula e nick cassidy otherwise you'd call him a rookie in formula e scored pole position well done for him and that was for Envision virgin racing p2 on the grid nomanato for venturi racing p3 pascal Werlane, who once i think qualified p2 in diria this time around, he qualified P3, P4, Stoffel van Dorn, P5, Maximilian Ganter for BMW, P6, Alexander Sims for Mahindra, P7, Eduardo Motara for Venturi Racing, P8, Oliver Roland, P9, Nico Muller for Dragon Penseki Autosports, P10, Sebastian Vemi in the Nissan, P11, Sambad from the Jaguar, P12, Mitch Evans from the Jaguar. Last race, the Jaguar team had the first double podium for them. Good luck to them. And this time around, they qualified so close to each other. P13, Lucas Degrassi in the Audi. P14, Tom Blomkist. P15, Antonio Felix da Costa in the T- Diaz de Cheetah. P16, Alex Lin. P17, Nick DeFries. P18, Robin Fiennes. P19, Ren Ras. P20, Jean-Eric Van, who won the race in uh, Rome Steel Round 3. P21, Andre Lotera. P22, Sajo Sete Camara. P23, Jake Dennis. And uh, P24, Oliver Tavi. He was actually penalized. Like I said before, the race began with a safety car. Now, this time around, the safety car was it was a bit faster than usual and they did a few laps because in formula e we have 45 laps i mean 45 minutes plus a lap that's how long the race the race 
um, lasts. And by the time the soft, the <laughs> by the time the safety car went back, it was forty two minutes. So we're left with forty two minutes of racing plus a lap. And exactly one minute after that, forty one minutes left on the clock. The race leader Nick Cassidy spun, got spun or spinned on turn seven, and that made him lose a number of places. In fact, he dropped to P. 10 what what happened from what i saw i'm going to tell what i saw and what was explained is that he he came um obviously he was racing fast driving fast because he's race leader and he failed to break and turn right at the right moment i don't know if that makes sense and instead went straight ahead and i'm grateful that you know there's always there's always extra space around turns in case, you know, a car fails to look or a car fails to stop. There's like room for them to run around and be safe. So Nick Cassidy came down a straight and instead of turning right, he just ended up going straight ahead. And um, he spun around a bit, but he was safe. And on his team radio, he blamed the software issues, saying that he touched the brake the brakes and they looked i don't know the technical part of formula e but it did look like that because the spinning bit didn't make sense anyway he dropped to p10 and after a while he dropped to p11 and ahead of him race leader was norman nato he took the reins and led the race pascal wildline was in second place stoffel van Dorn was in third place max milan ganza was in fourth alexander sims in fifth and eduardo motara in sixth position can I just say something about Alexander Sims? I am always happy when I see him racing. He races for Mahindra. And it just inspires me. I don't know why. When when I look at Alexander Sims, the first thing I'm going to say is that he wears glasses. I wear glasses. But I would have thought that nobody would become a race driver while wearing glasses. I haven't seen many of those around. In fact, he's the only one I've seen, to be honest. So the fact that he can actually race with glasses on and he has won races and he does pretty great, that is very inspiring. Anyway, I a minute after that, with 40 minutes left on the clock, race control communicated and said that Andre Lotera had to serve a 10-second 10 10 second stop-and-go time penalty for changing car parts over the limit. Now, I think that was a blow to him. It was already beginning P21, so imagine serving a 10-second penalty that just pushes you farther and farther away. Remember, time is of the essence in Formula E. In every, I think in every racing series, time is very important. And even a second could cost you a podium. A second could cost you a championship. A second could cost you a win. It could cost you finishing the race. It's, it's a lot of time, but he had to serve a penalty. That's how Formula E works. So at the moment, the, the, uh, when that was communicated, Lotero was P21 with Jean-Éric Fan ahead of him in P20 and Sergio Sete Camara in, behind him in P22. Now, 30, 39 minutes left on the clock. Nick Cassidy again gained a position. This time, he moves up to P10 from being P11 and it's Sebastian Buemi ahead of him in P9. Nicomola ahead of Buemi in P8, Oliver Roland P7, Eduardo Motara P6, Alexander Sims P5, Max Milan Ganta P4, Stoffel Van Dorn P3, Pascal Werlein B2, and Nomanato leading the race ahead. 
and um, precisely within that minute <laughs> attack mode was open and the drivers this race i told you before were supposed to use um they got to have three attack modes open to them and guess who took the first attack mode the guy in the third place that's stoffel van Dorn. he took his attack mode at the same moment as nick cassidy overtook sebastian buemi moving him up to p9 so i think nick cassidy proved himself good he was just good i mean he started the race leading it dropped a couple of positions after just something happened that was beyond his control and then he worked so hard to to regain that i think that's that's pretty great it also has to do with your mind your attitude i mean when life throws you a curveball do you just give up and you know continue going on after all it wasn't your fault or do you get up and you know prove i don't know prove others right and just blow yourself away and blow others away so anyway andrew lotera also decided to pit and serve his 10 second penalty that he got uh, for changing car parts over the limit and that pitting pushed him down to p24 after being p21 so it was andre lotera p24 oliver tavi p23 jake dennis p22 sajo sete kamara p21 he gained that position after lotera moved down Jean Eric Van P20, Ren Ross P19, Robin Fines P18, Nick Defies P17, Alex Lean P16, Tom Blumkist P15, um, Antonio Felix de Costa P14, Lucas de Grassi P13, Mitch Evans P12, and Sam Bad P11 at around the 38th minute of the race. In the 38th minute still, Samba dropped from P11 to P17, but that wasn't our, com our TV screens. That's what happened. So it looked like Samba was dropping positions, dropping positions, but we couldn't actually see the footage of that. And anyway, he quickly got back to his P11 position on the television screen and the later button on the side. And the commentator quickly said, I think it was something with the time screens. Um, Maybe it was an issue on their side. Anyway, a minute later... 37 minutes left on the clock. Some bird, who we're talking about, overtook Sebastian Buemi, moving him from P11 to P10. What he did, I think, I don't know, if a race driver was to ask me for advice on driving, anyway, it seems so easy to say, but if they were to, I would tell them, always, when you're close to a turn, go on the inside of the person you're trying to overtake, and then when you get to the turn, it's much easier to overtake. And that's exactly what somebody did, which makes me, I think, I would say, a good advisor when it comes to racing in Formula E. That's all that I can say. But anyway, what happens is whenever you're close to a turn, if you get on the inside of, I would say, your competitor, it gives you a better advantage of, you know, coming out of that turn ahead of them. Because when you take the outside of the car, you, I think you're taking up, you have to race more, um, you're taking up much more space. You're going to race a much longer distance, even though it seems like a very short distance, but that's a much longer distance. And you're actually using a lot more time by taking the outside of your competitor. But if you go on the inside, you're most likely to come out ahead of them. And that's what Tamba did with 37 minutes left on the clock. And he managed to overtake Sebastian Buemi, pushing him to P10 and Sebastian Buemi to P11. The exact same minutes. I love Formula E. Something is happening here. Something is happening there. Everywhere there's something going on. Uh, Nick Cassidy overtook uh, Nico Muller, moving him to P8 and pushing Nico Muller to P9. And the same thing happened. Nick Cassidy went on the inside of Nico Muller's car a few seconds before a turn. So when they got to the turn, he had the better advantage. He was on the inside of the turn and he got to overtake 
that's I, I don't know. It seems simple to say. I've never really, <laughs> I've never raced an F one car. Why am I saying never really raced an F one car? But if you're able to get the advantage, a few seconds early, probably a second early. I'm not talking about five, ten seconds. Like a second early on the inside of your competitor, right before a turn, it makes it much more easy for you to overtake. Because rarely does someone, rarely is someone able to overtake you from the outside on a turn. That is hard. They always come in on the inside. Now at the top of the leaderboard. Pascal Werlein, who was leading the race prior before, was also overtaken by Norman Nato in that very minute. So it it brought changes to the leaderboard. It was Pascal Werlein leading the race. Norman Nato in P2, Stoffel van Dorn P3, Maximilian Ganta P4, Alexander Sims P5, Eduardo Motara P6, Oliver Roland P7, Nikasidi P8, and Nico Muller P9 with Sambad P10 brilliant overtaking whereas the bottom of the leaderboard had um jake dennis gaining a place moving him from p22 to p21 after overtaking sajo sete kamara now within the 10 minute the 37th minute i told you i love formula e <laughs> a few seconds later because you know overtakes happen for four seconds that's why they say in racing a second could make all the more difference even 0.6 something of a second is so much time it's so important so a few seconds still within the 37th minute, Stoffel van Dorn overtook Norman Nato, pushed, putting him in P2 and placing Norman Nato P3 with Pascal Werlein leading the race. Now, I like this overtake because it began. Stoffel van Dorn tried to get on the inside of Norman Nato following my advice <laughs> before they got to a ton but somehow that failed and i think i have to attribute that to the difficultness the difficultness of this track of this circuit i don't understand the circuit some places it looks really tight i'm talking about like space you could only fit two cars there but then some places it looks really wide but it's actually hard to overtake because the corners are really really tight the tons are really tight i'm talking about a turn having um would i say a smaller degree angle is that how i would explain it because if you have like a, a straight you know two cars are coming down a straight and then you have uh, that because of straight with straights we know that in racing it's it's speed you work with speed you're able to overtake but then when you come down the straight and then there's a turn probably on your right and the turn is like i don't want to say 90 degree angle but it's close to something about that you if if you're on the inside you are at a disadvantage because we all know you don't drive a car and then all of a sudden you turn at 90 degrees within less than a second that doesn't happen so uh, race strategy has to come in here you also have to know which turns you're racing at which turns you're going at if the turn is much softer and is more of a curve then you're good to go you can probably turn the car but the turn that Stoffel van Dorn tried to overtake in first to overtake Nomanato, it looked very i don't want to say steep but it looked like close to 90 degrees obviously it may not be 90 degrees because that would be dangerous but it was so hard so Stoffel had the inside and then Nomanato was on the outside which looked like the right thing to do according to my advice but the turn was very tight so you'd have to somewhat carve in order to get into it and then the person on the outside <clears throat> sorry about that has more room to carve before you who's on the inside so that's how nomanato survived the fast overtaking but then when they got straight after the overtaking stoffel van Dorn showed him how it's done and he overtook him to p2 
Now, interestingly, with 36 minutes left on the clock, um, the, I was looking at the virtue percentage left on the drivers, and it ranged between 84%. The, the, the race leader had 84% of battery left, and uh, the last person on the leaderboard had 86% of battery left. Now, obviously, the race leader was Pascal. I just called him Pascal. It was Pascal Whirlin with the 84%. And then at the same time, 36 minutes in, attack mode was open. And usually with attack mode, um, it was to be taken on turn 15. I described that at the beginning of the podcast, which was around the teardrop kind of roundabout. And what happened, you're supposed to go offline, go to the extreme end of the a turn and sometimes you lose a position but you gain 35 kilowatts of extra power and uh, you also gain 17 which is the same as 17 percent of battery power it's not and so you gain 35 kilowatts of extra power uh, which is about 17 percent of your battery power to be exact 17.5 percent of your battery power and it lasts four minutes and for this particular race the drivers were supposed to use it for um we're supposed to do attack mode three times now oliver roland who was p7 at the 35th minute took attack mode and um he came out p8 so he didn't lose a lot of positions he came out p8 behind nick cassidy and then it got bad from there so as he came out p8 from um behind nick cassidy he Obviously, they were now onto the straight because I described the teardrop roundabout. It's a roundabout. You come on it. Uh, you come on it from a straight. You on the left. You go round it. Take attack mode. You come out on its right, and it's another straight. So Oliver Roland was trying to overtake Nick Cassidy. I think to get back his position, and he decided to go at it by going on his inside, and right before they approached a turn on their right. Um, Nick's car touched Oliver Roland's car, or I should say Oliver Roland's car touched Nick Cassidy's rear tire, which sent him straight into a barrier and um, leaving Oliver Roland to race off perfectly. But to be fair, I feel like Nick um, also didn't leave Oliver Roland enough space to overtake to overtake him because sometimes when you feel like you're at a disadvantage and you and it's better for you to to survive other than to retire you 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 let the other person overtake you because you can make up the position anyway so what happened i'll describe it i hope i'm visual i'm as visual as can be so oliver roland is coming down a straight coming hard at, uh, at nick cassidy to gain back his position he takes the inside of nick cassidy as they approach a turn and obviously nick is on the outside of a turn and so uh, even if you're on the outside of a turn normally you want to come as close as possible to the inside and in the process of doing that oliver roland touched nick's rear tire and nick ended up in the barrier ended up going straight ahead into the barrier which pushed him which made him lose a lot of positions he dropped to p20 and dropped to p22 and then he pitted now 34 minutes in this is how the race lineup was it was pascal wireline leading the race stoffel van Dorn in p2 nomanato p3 maximilian ganta in p4 alexander sims p5 eduardo motara p6 oliver roland p7 nico mola p8 sambad p9 sebastian buemi in p10 
Lucas Degrassi P11, P12 uh, was Mitch Evans, P13 Antonio Felix da Costa, P14 Alex Lin, P15 Tom Blumkist, P16 Nick DeFries, P17 Robin Frines, P18 Ren Russ, P19 Jean Eric Van, P20 Jake Dennis, P21 Sajo Sete Camara, P22 Oliver Tavi. P23, it was Nick Cassidy who had peated. And P24, it was Andre Lotera. With 33 minutes left on the clock, Robin Frines gets a 10-second car penalty. And that's because he failed to keep 10 car lengths away from the driver in front of him during the safety car. That was quite unfortunate. A minute down, 32 minutes left on the clock. Oliver Roland does it again. He overtakes Eduardo Motara, pushing him to P6 and pushing Eduardo Motara down to P7. And 31 minutes in, it's Pascal Werling leading the race in P1, Stoffel Van Dorn in P2, Nomanato P3, Max Ganser P4, Alexander Sims in P5, Oliver Roland P6, Eduardo Motara P7. And as if that wasn't enough, the guy was on fire. At the same corner at which he overtook Nikasid. Oliver Roland overtakes Max Ganzai overtakes Norman Nat overtakes Alexander Sims and places himself in P4. At the bottom of the grid, Jean Eric Van moved up a position, putting him to P18, while Nick Cassidy was in P24 with Andre Lotterer just ahead of him in P23. 30 minutes left on the clock, Lucas Degrassi who was P11 at the moment, hit a wall and ended up stuck and lost a couple of positions in fact he was p2 p22 on the leaderboard but he eventually had to leave the race after he had damaged his front and rear wings a lot of things happened wrong for him and the yellow flag was brought out for him now you might remember in rome still the previous race lucas degrassi was doing so well if anything he was close to being on the podium until stoffel van don hit a manhole cover and crashed and then nick defies also crashed and so lucas degrassi had to slow down in order not to get caught up in that fiasco which made him lose a lot of positions and made him finish not in a good place like he would have liked to finish i believe he finished around p13 it was quite unfortunately because he honestly seemed as though he was going to finish up there at the top and for a moment there i thought oh my god this is the lucas degrassi we used to see racing back in the day not that he has changed but his results have indeed and this time around he ended up crashing into a corner i think it was right at the moment i'm not sure was it eduardo montara or oliver roland had just taken their attack mode and they were moving so fast and um he and lucas degrassi ended up in a role in the in a war that was just Bad luck. I hope it doesn't happen again. Anyway, 29 minutes left on the clock. Stoffel Van Dorn was actually leading the race in P1 with Pascal Werler in P3. Alexander Sims... No, with Pascal Werler in P2 and Alexander Sims in P3. And that happened because Pascal activated his fast attack mode. And you remember what I told you. When you have to activate your attack mode, at times you do lose a couple of positions. But anyway, you get extra power. So that's how Stoffel Van Dorn managed to lead the race. Four minutes after that, which was 25 minutes left on the clock, Alexander Sims, brilliant guy, overtook Pascal Werlein, taking P2, pushing Pascal, I mean, yeah, pushing Pascal Werlein to P3 with Stoffel Van Dorn leading the race. At the bottom, it was Lucas Degrassi, P24, unfortunately, because of his crush. Nick Cassidy, P23, the man who also had a 
lot of issues he started in poor position his um his brakes didn't look up quite well and ended up spinning and losing a couple of positions and then he was put into the wall by oliver roland anyway p22 was andre lotera who also suffered 10 second penalty prior to that p21 sajo sete kamara p20 oliver tavi p19 jake dennis p18 nico Muller p17 jean eric von p16 robin Freins who also had a bit of you know issues there with the penalty and that p15 tom bloomkist p14 ren russ p13 alexander lean p12 sam bad and p11 nick defies now 19 minutes left on the clock uh, antonio felix da costa was in p18 i thought that was brilliant because he qualified p15 which meant he moved up a couple of positions that was that was brilliant and then norman nato took P3 from Pascal, pushing Pascal Wallain to the fourth position on the grid. Now, almost 10 minutes later, 8 minutes left on the clock, Rene Rast crushed on turn 1 into the wall. And uh, it happened after he he kind of he was coming down a straight and then he spun and then it ended up in the wall, which even prompted the safety car to come out. And then it was chaotic on the final lap. Eduardo Montaro almost was in almost hit a wall. He narrowly missed it. In fact, he I don't know what was happening, but he was gliding so hard against the surface that there were sparks coming out of his car from from the bottom of his car, and the sparks were right in front because they were coming out from the side close to the rear and those sparks were right in front of max ganta who was behind him and the grid and he was i saw eduardo Montana or eduardo Montana was about to crash into the wall but he didn't and then just a few less than a second ahead of them pascal i think it was either pascal warline or norman nato one of the two had something with their tires because there was a lot of mist coming in from their tires. It was chaotic. The final lap was chaotic. And then as they got to, to, to the last turn of the race, I think it was the last turn of the race, three cars crashed into right before you get into the turn, the wall ahead of them. It was a Mercedes, a Jaguar, and... Um, the, the Mercedes belonged to Nick DeFries. He crashed into the wall, ultimately putting him out of the race. Can you imagine? That was very sad. P11, and it was about to finish the race, hopefully maybe finishing the points, and it ended up in the wall. And right by his side was Sam Bad, who also crashed into the wall. Uh, Nick DeFries crashed really hard into the wall, so there was a lot of debris spilling around, and Sam Bad was close to him, so the debris must have, I was going to say injured his car, must have damaged his car. And at that point, Sam Bad out of the race. But the third car that was in the sandwich was Oliver Rollins, who somehow managed to get out unscathed, and he turned around, he turned the car around and completed the race. There's something about there was something about Oliver Rollins in this race. He qualified P8, but he was pushing it to the limit. And that three car crash, I own, honestly I thought Oliver Rollins was going to get out of the race. But somehow he, he, he managed to get out unscathed. Anyway, that was the race. And guess who won? Stoffel van Dorn won the race. It was redemption. He he posted about it on social media. And I was like, yes, this is redemption day. Because round three that happened in Rome the previous day on Saturday, um, Stoffel van Dorn was doing very well and he, until he hit a manhole cover and ended up crashing into the wall and not even finishing the race. So for him to win this race, that was indeed redemption. So P1, the winner of the race, Stoffel van Dorn from Mercedes. P2, Alexander Sims from Mahindra Racing. P3, 
P3 Pascal Guerlain from Taghoya Porsche. P4 Eduardo Motara. Fifth place was Max Ganter. Sixth place was Mitch Evans. Seventh place, Antonio Felix da Costa, who moved up an extra position there. Eighth place, Sebastian Buemi. Ninth place, Tom Blumkist. Tenth place, Nico Mola. Eleventh place, Jean-Eric Van. Twelfth place, Sergio Sete Camara. Thirteenth place, Jake Dennis. Fourteenth place, Oliver Tavi. Fifteenth place, Andre Lotterer. Sixteenth place, Oliver Rowland. Can you imagine where he finished? But anyway, he recovered. 17th place, Alexander Lin. Or you may know him as Alex Lin. 18th place, Robin Fryens. 19th place, Sam Bird. 20th place, Nick DeFries was unable to complete the race with the final lap left to go. 21st place went to Nick Cassidy, the man who began in pole position, but then bad luck just, I don't know. 22nd place, Ren Rass. 23rd place, Lucas Degrassi, who crashed out. 24th place went to Norman Natu, who began P2 with Venturi Racing. And I I know you're surprised, but what happened is that he got a penalty and then he got disqualified for using too much energy in the race and ultimately lost out. Now, that was very unfortunate for Norman Natu. He began P2. He was doing quite well. In fact, we, talk, we were talking about him if you've been listening <laughs> to the podcast. He was B3. He overtook Pascal and he was doing really great. He was up there in the points, but... He lost that. I felt so bad for him. I can't even imagine how he felt after the race. That must have felt horrible because he had done really, really well. And those things really hurt. They really, really do hurt. But anyway, that's what happened. Round four in Rome, the Formula E E Prix. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. Don't forget, we can connect on social media. My Instagram handle is Z Formula E Podcast, just like the name of this podcast. And on and on Twitter, you can find me on the Formula One Amateur. I do talk about Formula E a lot there. Thank you so much for listening in. If you'd like to send an email, my email address is mbabazeruth77 at gmail.com. Or you can send a message to plus 256 See you in Valencia.